A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Kate Fakarongo Maikwe Kito Tato Au Huri Huri. Heotaka Epana Kito Tato Au Fanui. This is our changing world on RNZ National. And now, what happens when a river meets the ocean? When you fly across New Zealand, you can often see plumes of sediment flowing into the ocean from some of our mightiest rivers. The mixing of the two water bodies is incredibly complex, but Niwa oceanographers have found a spot that provides them with a simpler system, in a cove in Doubtful Sound, where the tail race from the Manapuri underground power station flows into the sea. Here are Craig Stevens and Joe O'Callaghan describing what it takes to work in this natural laboratory. It's kind of a mission just getting there. We generally ship our gear to Dunedin, then we have to pack vans and get the vans across to Manapuri, and then get the vans onto a barge and all the people onto ferries, and we get across Lake Manapuri. And then we have to get across Wilmot Pass, and so that's not a trivial road. Um, We were fortunate this time round that the weather was really good both ways. But there's something magical when you get to the top of the pass and you, you first look down on the fjord and you get a real sense of how it's glacially carved. Wilmont Pass sits 600 metres above sea level. I've stood there in snow not being able to see anything because it's completely covered in cloud and other trips down there it's just picturesque sunny day and you can see sea for miles. From the perspective of someone who's into fluid mechanics and, and oceanography it's really pretty amazing both above the water and below with the wind, the clouds and the rain and the waterfalls. It's just absolutely spectacular and there's just so much fluid mechanics going on at different scales. Right near Deep Cove is the tunnels that come from the Manipuri hydroelectric scheme. So you can drive to where the tunnels discharge into the top of Doubtful Sound and this is why we're there. The flows from the tail race set up a natural laboratory for looking at some quite exciting river mechanics. You can see the contrast between the old tunnel built in the 60s and the new tunnel that is discharging the order of 500 cumex into Doubtful Sound. It's comparable to New Zealand's largest river in terms of flow but if you're in the sound up near the head where this water comes in it's around two to three meters per second and so that's around eight to ten kilometers an hour and that doesn't sound very fast but from um, an ocean perspective that's rocketing along and so it's pretty amazing from a sampling perspective you'll be sitting on a boat the wind will be pushing the boat a little bit but you'll be rocketing along at eight to ten kilometers an hour and you'll be dropping gear into the water that sinks through this tail race flow, but then it suddenly hits the effectively stationary ocean. Some of the the trickiest ocean that you can think of to sample from the perspective of having things go at different directions and different speeds at the same time in only a few metres. I've been down five times to Doubtful Sound now, and it still amazes every single time. Midway through the experiment, there was a storm that came through and 
uh, overnight there was an enormous amount of rain. I think it was 150 mil overnight. Part of the road washed away and then the waterfalls just turned from a trickle to these amazing kind of horizontal flows away from the rock face. So just special. But what you've got to keep in mind is that we're seeing all this beauty above the water surface and you know everyone likes the posters of waterfalls and, and wind and clouds. But in our heads we've got all this stuff going on underneath the, the ocean surface as well. And so that sort of beauty it perhaps only comes out in the data and, and perhaps not as easily appreciated by everyone. But it's also in the back of my mind is, wow, you know, beneath the surface there's stuff going on too. To get a better picture of what goes on beneath the surface, the team used mini torpedo turbulence profilers in autonomous research vessels. Back in the office, the data crunching has only just begun, but the team says the Manapuri tail race is a great proxy for a natural river system. It changes, like you turn a tap on and off. The tail race can change quite quickly from being full and rushing out into the sound to turning off, and so it mimics the sorts of things we see at the coast. So when a river discharges, uh, it, it rushes out, and what we're trying to do is capture as many realisations of this variability by, by putting some gear into Deep Cove itself. What we do is we put moorings in the water. So what a mooring is is a, is a string with some instruments, temperature, salinity and flow, and then we put these at several locations in Deep Cove itself so we can capture those changes and then back here in the lab we can unpick and build up a picture of what happens when it's really quite a lot of rain or, or not so much rain and what are those mechanics. How useful is a fjord or a sound like that, given that they have that freshwater, saltwater stratification, which would not happen in the open ocean? Certainly in systems like the Firth of Thames, you get layering of salinity and temperature like you do in the fjord. The fjord is much more strongly stratified, so the layers are, are much more distinct. That is helpful in terms of unpicking these mechanics. Have you had a chance to look at the data? This is the fourth experiment, so we've certainly looked pretty hard at previous data sets and we're only really a few weeks off the water, so a couple of the little bits that we've come in we've looked at, and it's, it's really exciting, actually. There's, um, whilst we were sitting in our accommodation off to the side of the tail race, you know, it's not often that you can just be 800 metres from your lab. Um, that's kind of neat. We would, you could see internal waves come through, and so these are ripples at maybe three or four metres depth that are pushed off from the plume or the jet as it comes out into the fjord. We could actually see these ripples come past and bounce off the shore. And so we, we rushed out and put in some semesters and did some video. And so I have to confess that I've, I've cherry-picked and I've, I've looked quickly at some of those early data. And it's great to motivate you to know that you're onto something special. A couple of points in that we have the, the layers of fresh water over salt water, so we've got the tail race sitting over ocean water. But we have also the other things that we see when you go out in a boat. We have wind stirring some of this water at different times and we also have the tide moving all of this water back and forth in different ways. And one of the, the interesting things is that we can see that the, the speeds of the jet that come out towards the ocean are modulated by the tide going in the opposite direction. So we see times where there's faster flows versus slower flows. It's been fun and hard to unpick all these different signals. How do you relate that? back to a natural river system. We have used or are using doubtful sound as a natural laboratory. So when you think of the 
coast, there's a lot of factors. And so picking out what happens routinely is, is quite difficult. And so using something like a, a natural system means that we can have a sort of a, a theory about what actually happens when we go to some of the more complicated places. One perspective on all this is you want to understand processes well enough to put them into a computer model so that you can predict how a changing river or a changing ocean might respond. And so that's great, but you need to... A model only works as well as the, the data that go into it and the components that you've built it from. Understanding and, and building those new components is one aspect of what we're doing. You can work in a, a real laboratory. So, so all my training in universities was in, in engineering laboratories where you could build a, a miniature equivalent to this. But there's only so much that you can represent at the 50-centimetre scale. If you can go to the real scale, uh, that's great. But normally, if you're at the real scale, it's also got all the complexity that's in there. And so Fjordland and Doubtful Sound and Deep Cove in particular removes some of that complexity but leaves you at a physical scale that still has the processes operating in the right way. So that's why we're using the term natural laboratory. The idea scientifically is that we can come at a problem from different angles and so this is the sort of the three-legged approach that we like to think about. Craig mentioned computer models and engineering models and then this is the observational natural laboratory. So by, by looking at the same problem in different ways we can come to a, a theory or an understanding that we can apply in any system. Where is your main interest in this? I mean, you just explained that on the fundamental level it's really about understanding the system as a whole and having enough data for models or enough information for models. But is that kind of system important because rivers transport water, rivers transport sediment, rivers mix ocean and fresh water? New Zealand has, you know, these amazing pictures of sediment plumes from satellites. And so understanding where the sediment, you know, comes from the river through the coast into the open ocean, where where does that end up and and how and why and what sort of timescales is it important? So the work was actually largely funded uh, by the Marsden Fund and so that's investigator-driven and so that's about ideas rather than necessarily around application. And so I like to think of aspects of this work as being around um, transformation of energy. And I don't, from that perspective, I don't mean the electricity that's that's being generated by the the hydroelectric scheme, but the energy transformation in the the kinetic energy in the water as it hits the ocean, and the mixing that then changes the potential energy, and it's, so it's the it's the transfer mechanics between those two um, that control how that the ocean in that region works, and if we can understand that at a fundamental level then that's the kind of understanding that you can transfer to almost any scale where you've got a light fluid over a heavy fluid and they're moving at different speeds. And that's actually a fundamental building block of ocean and atmosphere models. And so presently, we typically run those sorts of models at very coarse resolution for how the world works. And so there's a lot to be learnt from best understanding how to represent this energy sort of bouncing backwards and forwards that's happening at a small scale, how that you can get it into these large-scale models. That was Craig Stevens, And you also heard from Joe O'Callaghan, and they're both at Niwa in Wellington. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. 
Check out our webpage for photos and web features. rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.